the last few weeks, it struck me that we traveled more in one day on vacation than a lot of people would ever travel in their entire life. We could in a, do a nine-hour drive in one day and realize, wait, we've gone hundreds of miles and many people throughout history have never actually traveled beyond 50 miles, maybe 100 miles from their home. So it, it struck me that we lots have changed in the last, say, 100 years, 150 years. We can now do things that people have never done before, go places people have never, we can see things that people have never seen before. But one of the things that we hold in common is that we often describe our lives as a journey. That's that's a story that people have told for hundreds and thousands of years, that life is this journey and we find ourselves caught up in it. And if you go right now to Hobby Lobby and you look at the decor section, you'll find lots of things to decorate your house with quotes and images about our lives or story as this journey. You watch the movies that we make, read the books that we write. It's about these journeys that we take and that our lives are these journeys. One of the things that happens on all of these journeys is all of us find ourselves in places where we don't actually know what's around the bend. And that's, that's kind of the thing that makes the stories great, but when it's you and I living it, when we lay in bed at night, go, what is the next step in my journey can hold. Whether I'm moving to a new place, I'm stepping out of my job into retirement, I'm trying to go down this road that I think I'm supposed to go down, this journey can be terrifying. Actually, I think one of the most terrifying moments in the journey is when everything is going well and we know people that it's going badly for them and we go, when is the other shoe going to drop in my story? Right now my kids are healthy, My kids are living at home. Things are good. Everybody in my life seems to be walking with Jesus. I can pay my bills. My friend over here has got a child who's dying. My friend over here just lost a job. When is that going to happen in my life? In this journey that we call our lives, we go down this road and there's so many things to be afraid of. So I imagine many of us today have questions that keep us up at night. We think about the next step in our journey and we go, "Uh uh-oh, what? How is, this, how is this chapter going to turn out well? Today, we're returning to the Psalms. Last summer, we spent several weeks in the Psalms, which are these Psalms for the journey. The Bible calls them Psalms of Ascent. They start with Psalm chapter 120. And there's these short songs that the people would sing as every year they would journey up through the mountains to get to Jerusalem journey that was treacherous. Not only was it hard, not only is it going through the mountains, but there would be bandits. There would be robbers. There would be insurrectionists who want to overthrow the government. There would be roads that are hard to pass. So they would sing these songs as they would go up to the temple of God to worship with God's people. And So we're going back to these again. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 124. To see What does God's word have to say to us? Not when we're super excited and filled with joy, but when we don't know what's in the next chapter. We don't know what's around the bend. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Go ahead and turn with me to Psalm chapter 124. Psalm 124, verse 1. This is a song of sense of David. If the Lord had not been on our side, 
let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. God, I pray that as we open your word, we would hear it applied specifically to our situations so that we would not fear because of you. Amen. Psalm 124 is going to call us to venture on this journey, to venture with confidence because God is on your side. Venture with confidence because God is for you. What I want to show you in this in this chapter is four actions that help us venture on this journey with confidence. Four actions. First, verses 1 and 2, tells us to remind ourselves that God is for us. Remind yourself that God is for you. Verses 1 and 2 says, it repeats itself. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, then people attacked us. Your translation might say, if the Lord hadn't been for us, let Israel now say, if the Lord had not been for us when people attacked us. The, the, first, the first action we are called to here is to remind ourselves that God is for us. Here we find ourselves on this journey where we don't know what's out there. We don't know what's happening with our kids. We don't know what's going to happen with our job. We don't know what's going to happen in any of these things. But the thing that we have to actually remind ourselves is that God is actually on our side. God doesn't actually just mean to bless us. He's actually on our team. He's identifying himself saying, no, I am actually for you in this. And the call is, with this repetition, is we actually need to remind ourselves of this. Because we don't just stumble into that easily. We can get caught up in fear about situations, but we have to remind ourselves that this is what's actually true, is God is actually for me here in this situation. There's a, there's a whole lot else that we can look at, a whole lot of other things that we can think about, but we have to start with remembering, repeating, and meditating on the fact that actually God is on my side today. God is actually for me today. Here I am worried about what's happening with my adult children. But you know what? God's on my side. He's not left me alone. He hasn't forgotten me. God is actually on my side in this situation. Maybe you're in a job where you feel like your boss is against you where you, you feel like there's nothing you can ever do to measure up and you're not sure if you're in the right job or in the right career, well, let Israel now say, if God hadn't been on our side, your boss might be against you, but the Lord's on your side. Maybe, maybe all of these things seem opposed to you and your dreams and what you think that you're supposed to be about. Maybe it's a class at school and it seems like everybody else is against me, but let Israel now say, if the Lord hadn't been that's something that you and I, each one of us, has to remember. It's so interesting that throughout the Bible, when God shows up, the angel of the Lord shows up, or God's angel separately shows up, the people fall down in fear. And I think it's interesting that God doesn't address that by saying, stop being afraid, there's more important things to be afraid of. When situations go bad and people end up in fear, God doesn't say, stop being afraid, this isn't that big of a deal, it could be a whole lot worse. Instead, what we see when we look at verses like Joshua 1.9, he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? 
I am with you wherever you go. When God calls his people not to fear, he doesn't just say it's not that bad. He says, I'm actually with you on your side, identifying with you. And so we have to remind ourselves, maybe moment by moment, definitely morning by morning, that today God is actually for me. Even if the world is against me, even if all of these things go wrong, God is actually for me. So young mom, it feels like day after day, you're not really sure how this thing is going. You're not sure where the handbook is to make this stuff all right. Whether it's crying babies that you don't know how to console or a husband that's not paying attention, whether it's children that are rebellious, young mom, God is actually for you. He's actually on your side. Maybe you're getting close to retirement or you're retired and you don't know what your life is supposed to be about and you don't know how the, the money is going to carry out. You don't know how the, all of this is going to happen. God's actually on your side. We have to remind ourselves that the Lord is for us on this journey. God is actually for you and for me. Young child who's like, there's so much to be afraid of. There's so much I don't understand about the world. I don't even know if these monsters that I imagine are real or not. There's so much that's out there. God is actually for you. And he says, I am on your side. Remind yourself of that. The second action that helps us to venture confidently on this journey is to remind ourselves that what could be We have to remind ourselves that what could happen is not going to happen. Verses 3 to 5 says, verses 1 and 2 had said if. So verses 3 starts with, then they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. So here we have, if the Lord hadn't been on our side, here's all the stuff that could have gone wrong in our lives. These people who attack us would swallow us alive. They would overwhelm us. The water that comes would have drowned us and killed us. Not only would it have drowned us and killed us, it would have swept us away. We would never be seen again. And we have to remind ourselves, not only is God for me, but there are real threats in the world that are not going to happen because God's on our side. So there's, there's real danger out there for you and I. And it's okay for us to look at those things and say, look at what could actually have happened. But God wants me to remember that I'm actually not going to be swallowed up. I'm not going to be drowned. I'm not going to be swept away. My life is not going to disappear by all of these threats. What could be is not going to be. Because God is on my side. These real dangers are actual realities for those of us that are in Christ. You might be sitting there and going, there's some really bad stuff out there. I've had friends, I've had neighbors. Joe, you don't even know what's happened to me in my life. People that have been, their lives have been ruined. How can you say what could be, won't be? I think we just have to acknowledge that. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, yes, lots of people were delivered, but there were some that were attacked, killed with swords, destroyed by lions. There are people whose lives have been ended and been ruined. But this passage is calling us to remember that even though people attack us, we're not going to be swept away. We're not going to be lost. We're not going to be drowned. We're not going to be overwhelmed. God has plans for his people and they are not going to be stopped. So yes, there are real dangers in the world and God has not promised that we will never suffer, that we will never, that we will never hurt. But he promises, one, I am for you and I am with you. And it's not going to drown you and sweep you away. 
ultimately this tells us that fear is a sub-Christian way of looking at the world. Fear is the way, not the way that Christians should actually look at the world. I was listening to an interview this week while I was on vacation, and it was a, a secular Jew, so he was an atheist, interviewing a, an author that I have a lot of respect for, a Christian. Maybe not the flavor of Christian that, that we would identify with here. He's an Eastern Orthodox, but I, I really admire his writing. And in this interview, this, this secular, cosmopolitan guy is like, why are you Christians so afraid? And this was an hour and a half interview, and the guy had no answer. And I was like, this book is, I love this guy's book. I thought this is the direction that we should go. And then I sat and listened to him as an atheist said, why are you Christians so afraid? And he was like, because I think we're going to be overwhelmed. I think our lives are going to be ruined. And I'm listening to that while at the same time studying a passage where God's like, no, what could happen is not going to happen to you because I'm on your side and I'm with you. And so fear is actually not the language of the Christian. It's a sub-Christian way of looking at the world that Christians should be able to look at these dangers and say, you know what? Yes, these people, it looks like we're going to be attacked. It looks like we're going to be overwhelmed. But God is on our side and he promises we will never be swept away. And so the call to you and I is, can we look at these real threats? And instead of saying, this is so scary, we have to fight. We have to try and make this change. We have to make something different. Instead, can we look at it and say, you know what? God promises that what could be, won't be. And so I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust in His Word. I'm going to remind myself moment by moment, yes, this looks dangerous, but I am not going to be overwhelmed. The fourth action, or the third action, to venture confidently is for us to give thanks that God's not going to give us up. Verses 6 and 7 makes a turn in the psalm. He says, Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Here in this turn, he switches and says, Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. Your translation might say something like, who has not given us up to their teeth. That would... That's a word for like letting go, giving something over like a gift. We use that word when we name children Nathan. It's this word for this child is a gift God has given to me. And here he says, God has not given us to be torn by their teeth. God has not let us go. So if we're going to venture confidently, it's not, oh, the threats aren't that bad. Everything's going to be okay. It's that, no, God has not let go of me from his hand to be torn and attacked in these different ways. God won't give us up to their violence. Like birds from a trap, we've escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. And so the call here is we for us to give thanks. God's not going to give us up. If we want to venture confidently, it's not, hey, put on a rosy outlook. Put on some rose-colored glasses and be cheerful. It's, no, you know what? Today, God has promised that I'm in His hand and He won't let go. If I'm going to venture confidently, I have to remind myself, not only is God for me, not only is what could be not going to be, I can give thanks. God, thank you that today I'm in Your hand and You're not going to let go. There is no threat in my life that's going to cause you to, to drop the ball. 
there's two brothers that a few years ago decided to travel the Oregon Trail. So they got a couple mules, maybe it was four mules, and an old covered wagon, and they just wanted to see what it would look like to go and take that route that people used to take. And it's so interesting because he said, at some times you can see interstates from the Oregon Trail, but other times it diverges really wildly. And he said, it's actually not hard to follow the Oregon Trail because it's marked by people's trash. At that time, as people were going over the Oregon Trail, they would take way more than they needed to take. And ultimately, the wagon would be too heavy or the wagon would break or a family member would die and they would have things that they don't need anymore. And so they would just take it and leave it by the side of the road. And so now, over 100 years, 150 years later, you can still see the Oregon Trail because they're what people have decided to let go on the trail. And I was thinking of that story, of that image of them letting those things go because they're not valuable and they're not needed. And this passage tells us that we are never going to be found like that. That God on the trail and the journey that he has called us to is not going to leave us behind as unneeded, as unimportant, as a weight that he can't bear. That as he is going on this journey, he is not going to give us up. So we can give thanks, not just remind ourselves of this truth, but give thanks Maybe morning by morning saying, God, thank you that today you, you promised not to let go of me. Certainly feels like it. There's lots of threats out there, but today you've promised not to give me up. And so I'm going to venture confidently today. And the fourth action to venture confidently is to give thanks that our help made heaven and earth. Verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven. What's so interesting about this verse is he says, our help is in the name of the Lord. And in English, we just kind of flatten all words for God. We just say God, Lord, and then we can use them in lots of different ways. And lots of other religions can use those words, mean different things, but say the same thing. But as the Hebrews were talking, as the Israelites were talking, they were using the word that God gave to himself as a relationship with his people. Nobody else could ever use that and mean something else. It's not a flat word. It's not a meaningless word that people can put their own meaning into. This is God's covenant name where he said, I am that I am. I am in relation to you and I will keep my promises to you and it's never going to change. And so right here in verse 8, he says, our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help is that covenant name, that God that has promised himself to these people, giving himself to them forever. This, a way we might put that is imminent, close by, God with us. That's the name that he says here. Our help is in the name of the Lord, Yahweh. But then he says, the maker of heaven and earth. Not only is he the God who's nearby, who's with us, who's promised to give himself to us. It's all, he's the one that has made heaven and earth. He's the one that's over all this transcendent God who controls everything, who stewards and shepherds everything. And so this is the God from the lowest of the low to the highest of the height, close by and far away. He is our help. And so on this journey that God has called us to, this is the God that's close by who's given himself to me. And this is the God who is over everything. Seeing the deer as they give birth. He's the God who oversees the volcanoes that explode out of the earth. He's the God who oversees hurricanes and tropical storms. He's the God who is over space and time. He's the God who entered into space and time to be God with us moment after moment in Israel's history, and then ultimately with Jesus. And so we can give thanks that our help 
is the God who's close by and the God who's over all. Our help made heaven and earth. He's the covenant God who gives himself to us. So can we venture confidently? If we remember that God is for us, that the threats that could be in the world won't be in our lives, we can give thanks that God promises never to let go, never to give up, never to drop the ball. He's the one who has made heaven and earth. And that allows us to venture confidently. Maybe you're here and you're going, are you sure? Joe, are you sure? Are you rock solid sure this is for everybody in the room? Are you sure that this promise is for each one of us? The Bible tells us that we do not deserve these promises. These promises are better than we could ever hope for. They're way more than we could ever ask for. There's only been one person in history who has ever actually deserved for God to be on his side. You see, the story of the Bible is that God made the world, made it good, and said, you be my little kings, I will be the great king. You be the gardeners and the farmers and the shepherds and the stewards of this earth. And we said, no, thank you. We will make our own way. And at that moment, we made our own side. And God said, one day I will punish all my enemies. Those on the other side, I will destroy. Instead of leaving us that way, this passage says, if God hadn't been on our side, the way that God can be on our side is that Jesus came and lived the life that we should live. Jesus is the one who died the death that we should die and came back to life. He's the one on whose side God should always be and would always be. He's the one who didn't deserve anything. He's the one who didn't deserve anybody to attack him. He's the one who didn't deserve to be swept away, who didn't deserve to be swallowed up, who didn't deserve to be drowned. He's the one that didn't deserve to be caught in a trap. And he's the one who just, God with us, God overall. And yet, the Bible says that Jesus is the one that God turned his back on. If this passage says that God is on our side, God can be on our side because God was not on Jesus' side as he hung on the cross. We can remind ourselves that what could be won't be because Jesus bore that in our place. God's not going to give us up because he gave up Jesus. So we can thank God that He is now on our side. We don't deserve it. Jesus does, and we can trade with Him. And if you say, hey, I want to know that for sure, please come and grab me. If you're like, hey, I've done that, but I've never identified with Jesus in baptism, come and grab me after the service and say, hey, I, I actually want to identify with Jesus, not because baptism saves, but because I want to identify with this trade that I have with Jesus. So then begin to imagine what that looks like as each one of us can begin to venture with confidence since God is on our side. Imagine what that looks like in your house when you're caught in a senseless argument with your spouse and you're not sure who's right and who's wrong, but you can know that God is actually on both of our sides. We don't have to be afraid that this is going to ruin us. I don't have to be afraid that this is going to threaten my place because God promises to be for me. Imagine what that looks like as you parent difficult children knowing God is on my side and He's not going to let go. He's not going to give me up. Imagine what that looks like as your family living on your street goes, you know what, God is actually for me on this street. He intends good for me here. And so difficult neighbors, difficult situations, things outside of my control, God is up to something and He is on my side. Kids, students, teenagers, imagine what it's like to go back to school in coming weeks and say, you know what, everybody else in school might be against me, but God is on my side. Imagine what that looks like for Belgium 
to say, to know, hey, there is a church that is acting without fear because they know God is on their side. God is for them. So there's no threat in town. There's no threat in our region. There's no threat in our country. It's going to overwhelm us because God is with us and he says, I'm not going to let you go. And then imagine what that looks like and how that changes our, our singing and our gathering. As we can give thanks that God is for us. He says he won't let go. God made heaven and earth and comes near to be with us. And so then our singing and our worship become transformed. I have this idea that God is actually on our side. We're not left alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can venture confidently, not on ourselves, but because we're on your side and your hand.